verse 4. You have that. Um, I have two messages to preach today. I couldn't decide which one to do this morning, so I was going to settle on this one. So you escaped it. The other one's rough. Anyways, Philippians 4 and 4. This is quite, a lot of people know this one, but it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. How uh, to come up with the title. So we just got always and again. So we're going to So let's just pray once more before we go into the word uh, today. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God, we thank you uh, for your presence and your anointing that's here. I pray, God, that you would continue to work and move uh, in, your, in your church today. I pray that you would speak to us through your word. Let everything go clear and, and um, through the heart, I pray in Jesus' name. Let your will be done. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated again if you'd like, or you can stand, whatever. Uh, I will. Uh, but anyways, there's a... This one's going to start off a little negative. So, you know. So, we'll, we'll take a turn there. There's a lot of stuff, negative stuff going on in, in the world, and it's easy to focus on these things. Uh, we could talk about the government all day. We could talk about all the different agendas, all these other things, and take our attention, bills. Um, there's a lot of bad things in the world. Addictions, cancer, death. Things not going like we have planned. Uh, there's bad relationships. There's abuse. There's bad days we have. There's money and issues with that. And there's other kinds of issues. There's disorders and struggles and disappointment. There's broccoli and green beans and comments that people make. And some people, that can be negative. Um, there's a lot of stuff out there to get us down. And uh, we can be focused on those things, and Paul, Paul knows this when he writes this letter, and he's had some rough times. He's been locked up and beaten and abandoned, and um, the church had to hide. They're being persecuted and all this. He actually writes this letter from prison, and Jesus knew what this was like. The world he created didn't recognize him, and uh, friends betrayed him, and everyone turned their back on him, and people he loved turned against him in Ecclesiastes 1 and 9, which is one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's so positive and uplifting. It says, um, the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. There is no new thing under the sun. And so, that's a good, that's good stuff right there. There's been negative things around for a while. And they're going to be around for a while. There's years where things don't go right. There's hurt, there's pain, and all that stuff. The effects of sin on the world. Unfortunately, that's not going to change. There's no new thing under the sun. Good stuff. That's the way you came to hear, right? Positive. You can read your Bible. There's a man named David. The Bible says was a man after God's own heart. His son Absalom turned on him and turned the kingdom against him and tried to kill him. There's Job, a faithful man. He lost everything. There's Esther, whose family or her people faced genocide. There's Elijah, we'll talk about tonight, but he called fire down from heaven and then he had to go live in a cave and be fed by ravens because he was scared for his life. There's John the Baptist who did nothing wrong and lost his head. The disciples were arrested and Persecuted, And Paul says this about himself in 2 Corinthians 11. Uh, he says, Oh, the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. 
Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I was I suffered shipwreck, and a night and a day I have been in the deep, and journeyings often, and perils of water, and perils of robbers, and perils by my own countrymen, and perils by the heathen. Everyone's against them. And perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren. Everywhere he went, perils. And weariness, and painfulness, and watchings often, and hunger, and thirst, and fastings often, and cold, and nakedness. This guy went through it. Everything. And bad stuff happens all around us, and it's hard sometimes for us to focus on the positive. Uh, life happens to everyone. Some of us are more likely to focus on the, the negative. We call them pessimists, but they call themselves realists. Some of us are, some of us it's harder to do, but the media, you know, that sucks us in. Bad news sells, fear sells, drama sells, conspiracy Cells, and every day we hear about death and war and murder and all this stuff, corruption everywhere, all around us, and it brings us down and it can be depressing and sad. And the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. This is how it's been for a while. But in the middle of all of that, we'll move on now. But in the middle of all that, Paul says, rejoice. Philippi was the location of the first Christian. Um, community established in Greece. They were the first church um, in Europe. And Paul says, writes to these people, they're surrounded by a bunch of people that don't believe anything like that. They're not around Jewish people that believe something like that. They don't believe anything. They're just surrounded by, for lack of a better word, a bunch of heathens. And Paul says, rejoice in the middle of this. You're surrounded by the world, literally. But Paul says, Rejoice, even though you're surrounded by all this stuff, don't worry about it, don't let it impact you. You change the world, you rejoice. And Paul was writing this letter from jail. Well, in the middle of a, a jail cell, he says, rejoice. And this wasn't Paul's first time in jail. Bad stuff's happened before, it was gonna happen again, but that doesn't change who God is. Paul says, rejoice anyway. Even though it makes no sense, there's bad stuff all around. All these things that I just listed and talked about, and there's rumors and hurts and disappointments, there's kids struggling, our families are always the way that we want them to be, there's stuff all around, um, depression's at an all-time high, anxiety everywhere, medication, stress, feeling inadequate, not good enough, constantly comparing ourselves, living in a, a fake Instagram world where we compare ourselves to everyone else and suicide rates are through the roof and no one knows what's who they are anymore, and anyways, the world's messed up. Divorce, abuse, whatever, all this stuff. But in spite of all these things, rejoice anyway. Sometimes we think we can't rejoice because of what we're surrounded by and what's happening and what's going on in our family or what's going on in our world or what's going on in our, our life. But Paul says, rejoice. That man must have been crazy. He's been locked up too long. He's confused. But no, rejoice in the Lord always. And he says, just in case you didn't get it the first time, I'll say it again. Rejoice. How can someone rejoice when we're surrounded by all this stuff? All these circumstances. All these things. How can I rejoice when people die? How can I rejoice when people in my family are, are sick or I don't even know if God is real. How can I rejoice if I'm disappointed or heartbroken or being 
uh, abused or being hurt or persecuted. How can I rejoice? It looks pretty crazy if I'm rejoicing because that stuff is happening. How do I rejoice in the middle of a mess? How can I be happy when my life is falling down or falling apart? And if he would have just said rejoice, it would have been different. But he says rejoice in the Lord. So what does that mean? How do you do it with the world like it is? How do you rejoice in the Lord surrounded by the world or in jail like Paul is or feeling alone or, you know, family's a mess or you're worried about things or you're in pain or you're troubled. It's hard to rejoice in those situations. Pretty much impossible. But the key is where your rejoicing is founded or where your rejoicing is based. If we're just rejoicing for the sake of rejoicing, probably we're not going to do it. Right? Yay, my family's a mess. Woo, I lost my job. You're going to look crazy. There was a lady that was here a couple weeks ago. I'll tell you a story about her. She used to babysit me. <laughs> she was like, the Bible says, you know, all things give thanks. And I remember she cut herself and she was going to the hospital the whole night. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Not because <laughs> that had happened, but because he was with her and she was appreciative of that. He was, you know, helping her through this. And um, I don't know if you've ever seen anyone who loves pain. Kind of weird. We usually try to avoid those folks. It's not natural. It's not natural to love pain or to rejoice in it. It kind of, you know, turns people off or away and you kind of avoid them. That's not what you're supposed to do. We don't rejoice in the fact that bad stuff happens. You know, no one wants to be a part of that. Thank God all this bad stuff happening. We rejoice rather in the Lord. We rejoice in Him in spite of what's going on, in spite of all the negative stuff surrounding us, regardless of what um, happens around us, if there's disease or backslidden family members or hurt or doubt or confusion or disappointment, whatever it is, we rejoice in Him in spite of all that stuff. There's a story in the Old Testament about David and his men, and they come to a place called Ziklag, and the enemy, in this case, the Amalekites, they have invaded Ziklag, and they've burned the city, and they've stolen all of the soldiers' wives and sons and daughters, and David's family has been taken, and everyone's gone. They come back to the city, and there's, there's no one there. It's a mess, and everybody in the army gets upset with David and angry because he didn't stop it. And they're sad, and it's a terrible situation, and the people are confused because here they are working for the kingdom, and here they are doing what they're supposed to do, and they're doing the right thing, but their family's attacked anyway, and sometimes that does happen. And just because you're attacked by the enemy doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. Bad things happen in life to everyone. You don't, we need to base our rejoicing in the Lord and not in the stuff, not what's happening around. And this is just a mess of a situation. And the Bible says that people are, are weeping and, and they're, they're screaming and they're crying until they can cry no more. And they start to take it out on David, which always happens. It's always the leader's fault. Blame the leader. 
They don't blame the enemy for some reason. They blame David. When they talk about killing David, they overreact. Nothing new under the sun, right? In 1 Samuel 30 and 6, it says, David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. They were going to kill him because the soul of all the people was grieved. People do weird things when they're grieving. And every man for his sons and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself and the Lord his God. But in this mess, David doesn't complain. Doesn't focus on the negative. His family's been taken too. He weeps for a bit and then he encourages himself in the Lord. He rejoices in the Lord. Thousands of years before Paul would write this letter from a Philippian jail, David encourages himself in the Lord and then he goes to prayer and then he chases after the enemy with 600 men and they get everything back. But that victory all hinges on David encouraging himself in the Lord. Because if he hadn't done that, he very likely would have, wouldn't have gone after the enemy. He would have kept wallowing in his self-pity and woe was me and that people might have actually turned on him and stoned him. Victory starts with us rejoicing in the Lord. If we only focus on the bad and the problem or the obstacle, we're never going to believe or have faith for the miracle. But when we focus on the Lord and we rejoice in him, the game changes. The victory hinges on us. Rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoice in Jesus because no matter what we are facing, no matter what we are up against, he has power over it. Amen. Are you ready, Cheryl? Yes. He has power over enemies. Deuteronomy 20 and 4 says, For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. He has power over whatever enemy comes against us. He has power over temptation in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, there hath no temptation taken you by such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above all that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Whatever temptation we face, whatever the enemy throws at us, he can lead us through that. He has power over the world. John 16 and 33, but these things have I I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Whatever the world throws at us, he has victory over that. And 1 John uh, 5 and 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our, I mean our faith. He has power over the evil day, Ephesians 6 and 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. No matter how bad the day gets, no matter how much is thrown against us, no matter what is happening in our life, no matter what the enemy throws at us, there's victory over that. He can bring us through it in Jesus' name. Salvation comes from him in Psalm 3 and 8. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. He has victory even over death. 1 Corinthians 15 30, or 54 to 55 So when this, in, this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death where is thy sting? O grave where is thy victory? And victory is in Jesus. Verse 57 But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what it is we face, no matter what it is we are up against, he has victory, he has power over it. 
Sickness, he's the healer. Pain, he's the healer. Brokenness, he repairs. If you're confused, he's the answer. If you're lost, he's the way, the truth, and the life. If you're in trouble, he's the peace. If you are addicted, he is freedom. If you are depressed, he is hope and joy. If you have sorrow, he is joy and comfort. If you need trouble, if you have trouble with your finances, he is the provider. If your life is in chaos, he speaks order to that. If you're str if you're weak, he is strength. If you're hurt, he is love and healing. If you are stuck, he is the, the way out. If you're facing death, he is the life. If you're bound, he is victory. We need to rejoice when we don't, or when we feel like it, and we need to rejoice when we don't feel like it. And the good times and the bad times. Paul says this, this is a commandment, it's not a suggestion, it's not, you probably should rejoice, or you, you should rejoice if the, everything's going well, or you should rejoice if you feel like it, you should rejoice if everyone else is. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you didn't get it the first time, again I say, Rejoice. And then Paul explains it a little bit in the rest of the chapter, for verse uh, 10 to 13. He says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye are also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, bound to abound, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He said, I rejoice and I learned that whatever state I am in, I can be content. If I have a lot, I can be content. If I don't, I still can. Everywhere. And in all things, I can be full, I can be hungry, I can have stuff, I may not. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He gives me the strength to, to do this. The rejoicing teaches me to be content. This rejoicing gives me strength through Jesus. And this wasn't a very long one today. I'm just ripping through it. I'm going to give you some time to rejoice this morning. So why rejoice? How can I rejoice if my wife's available? Please return. So no matter what I am against, no matter what I am facing, no matter what is happening around me, all that negative stuff we spent minutes at the beginning talking about, all that stuff happening in my life, in my family, in our, our society, and all this stuff, all these things going on. And Jesus has the answer, or Jesus is the answer. Everything that I need is in him. No matter what it is that I'm facing today. And because of that, I can rejoice. Because he is my healer. Even though I'm sick right now, I can rejoice because I know that he is my healer. I can rejoice because I know he is the answer that I'm looking for. I can rejoice because I know that he is the way, the truth, and the life. I can rejoice in the middle of a storm because I know he speaks peace. I can rejoice even though I'm surrounded or I'm in a jail like Paul was because I know that he is. there's freedom in him. I can rejoice when things are hopeless because he is my hope. I can rejoice in the middle of loss and pain because he is joy. 
I can rejoice because he's my provider and he speaks order to the chaos. I can rejoice when I feel like I can't make it anymore. When I feel like I'm weak and I don't know what to do, I can rejoice because he is my strength. When everyone's turned their back on me, I can still rejoice because he loves me still. And he's my friend. He sticks closer than a brother. I can rejoice because he's victory and life is in him. No matter what happens around me or to me, we can rejoice in Jesus because he is in control. I know in his presence anything can happen. Rejoice in the Lord always. I can always rejoice because he is always faithful. He's always there. He's always in control, even if it doesn't feel like it. I can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And when I'm done, I'm going to do it again. When I'm done rejoicing, I'm going to rejoice again. Because he's that incredible. Because he's that awesome. Because he, he's never going to change no matter what I'm facing or I'm up against. No matter what's happened in my life. No matter who's hurt me or what's been done. I can rejoice because of Jesus. Don't rejoice because of the stuff. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice because of him. Rejoice because of who he is and what he's done and what he can do. Instead of focusing on the bad or the problem, I'm going to rejoice because he has the answer. And he's the, uh, I'm not going to rejoice on the, the, the situation, but I'm going to rejoice because he is the solution. And the more we focus on him, the easier it is to rejoice. You ever notice that? All we do is focus on the stuff. Oh, everything's a mess. My kids are a mess. My family's a mess. It doesn't ever seem to get better. But when we turn our attention to Him, when we focus on Him, there's something that happens. There's a joy that comes. More rejoicing leads to more joy. And more joy, less worries because we're trusting Him. Does that make sense? I know this wasn't incredibly deep. That was last week. I just want to encourage you today. I know there's people going through all kinds of things this morning. We got people, families are a mess. We got people that are grieving and have lost people in the last year or two. We got people that are dealing with all kinds of things. Stuff that no one else knows about. And it's easy for us to focus on that. And it's easy for me to get up here and say, don't focus on that because whatever. But if we could just take some time today, this morning, make this part of our routine, just rejoice in the Lord and thank Him for who He is and thank Him for what He's done and thank Him for what He can do. I know right now it may not be easy. I know right now it may not. And Paul was writing this in a jail. He was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he had all kinds of stuff. But he learned that if I rejoice, it makes a difference. He was writing this to a church that's surrounded by, they're the only ones that believe this, the only church in the whole continent that believe this. He said, I want you to rejoice in the Lord. Your strength comes from him. When we rejoice in him, he's going to strengthen, he's going to lead us. He's going to work it in a way that only he can. 
I want to give you a, we're going to sing some songs this morning. We could stand, we could just take some time and let's just praise Him. Let's just rejoice in who He is. Whatever you need today, if you need a healing, let's rejoice and let's just thank Him for being our healer. If you need a deliverance, if you need Him to work in your family, let's just thank Him for that. Let's thank because He can do it. He can work. He can touch. He can deliver. Whatever it is that we need. If you need strength today, if you need a friend, let's rejoice. Let's praise Him. Let's thank Him that He is that friend today. Let's do that this morning. If you want to come around the altar, you can. If you want to uh, pray together as families, whatever. Just let's take some time this morning. Let's just thank Him and praise Him and rejoice in who He is. We're focusing on the other stuff long enough. Let's turn our attention to, to Him today. In Jesus' name. He'll meet us where we are.